Well, this morning, we are going to continue our series entitled Kingdom Culture. And in Mark chapter 1, the Bible says this. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. And I made this statement a few weeks ago. I just want to remind you of it today. And that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just a gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Salvation is the first step into the kingdom of God, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is that a new kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is now among men and that we have an opportunity to enter into God's kingdom and be a part of something that is not only significant and powerful, but to be a part of something the Bible calls an unshakable kingdom that will never be removed. That's the pleasure. That's the joy. That's the honor that we have as Christians to be a part of that amazing kingdom. And verse 15, the Bible says, and Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, which means now is the time. Today is the day and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. We established that the way we enter the kingdom of God is that we repent. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to turn from our sin and selfish ways, and we've got to turn to God, and we've got to believe the gospel. We've got to come into a place of agreement and a place of alignment with the very heart and purpose of God, not only for our lives, but for the world. And let me just say real quickly on that statement that sometimes if we are not careful, Christianity becomes all about us. And it's all about what God can do for me and what God can do in me and even maybe what God can do through me. But we need to remember that the kingdom of God is not just about what God can do in and for me. It's what God wants to do in the earth in the lives of other people. And, and, and part of the good news of the gospel is that we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of not only the personal transformation, but the cultural change that happens in our world as we take what God has given to us and we minister that to other people so that people actually experience the power, the presence, the kingdom of God in the earth. If we just have an individual or even a family vision, we have too small of a vision. Let me say that again. If we just have an individual or even just a family vision, we have too small of a vision for the kingdom of God. It begins individually. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It impacts our family strategically and powerfully, but it should never stop there. When you think about the Great Commission, do you remember what Jesus said in the Great Commission? He said, go into all the world or nations. And make disciples of all people. See, the vision of the kingdom of God is a worldwide vision. It's a kingdom of expansion. It's a kingdom of redemption. It's a kingdom that says, I'm not done and I'm not going to stop until we take over this world for the glory of God. I made the statement a few weeks ago that our job as Christians is not to go along and get along with the world. How many know we're not trying to go along and get along? We're trying to take back and take over 
a world that is living under the influence and the power of a kingdom of darkness and usher in the kingdom of God into a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. And so we're not trying to go along and get along. We're not trying to fit in with the culture. We're actually trying to stand out in such a way that we can begin to take back what has been stolen, take back what Adam lost through sin and rebellion, and establish what Jesus redeemed and purchased through his blood so that we become a kingdom people taking dominion over the world. Mark Batterson is one of my favorite authors and speakers, and he makes a great little statement. He says, sometimes you just got to pick a fight. Sometimes you just got to pick a fight. And I think as Christians, we need to make sure we're fighting the good fight of faith. That we're not just maintaining status quo. That we're not just holding on to what we have. We need to be picking a fight with darkness. We need to be picking a fight with the sin and rebellion and the wickedness and the deception and the manipulation of the enemy that is destroying people's lives. We live in a broken, hurting world. And we live in a broken, hurting world because the kingdom of darkness is ruling and reigning in the hearts and lives of men. And all the brokenness and all the pain and all the violence and all the chaos and all the abuse and all the trauma that is in our world today is the result that there is a kingdom of darkness that is ruling in the hearts and lives of people. And not only does the kingdom rule in hearts and lives, but it begins to rule in families and in cities and in communities and in nations. And it's not very hard to look around and recognize where the kingdom of light is and where the kingdom of darkness is because they contradict one another like light and darkness do. So look at that first statement. We said, what is the the kingdom culture? It's a culture defined by the kingdom of God. It's a culture where... The culture that says we are who God says we are. We have what God says we have. We can do what God says we can do. A kingdom culture is a language. It's values, beliefs, and standards that align with God's kingdom. We recognize there are four expressions of the kingdom of God. We said the kingdom of God is internal. We talked about that a few weeks ago, how that Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. And that now through the Holy Spirit, through a new kingdom, through, through a new covenant with God, we enter into the kingdom of God. And now the kingdom of God rules and reigns within us. No longer external rules of religion. Now the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you glad that when you got born again, you didn't stay the same person you were? You actually became a new creation in Christ. I'm glad that Christianity is not just about adopting a new set of rules by which we live. That's religion, by the way. Religion says let's adopt a new set of rules. A culture of the world says let's adopt a new set of rules. But Christianity is not about adopting external rules and regulations. Christianity is about accepting Jesus Christ and being born again by the Spirit of God so that the Holy Spirit begins to reign and rule within you. And now the kingdom has come and the power of God is now working in our lives. We said the kingdom of God is internal. The kingdom of God is spiritual. We're going to talk about that today. The kingdom of God is physical and eternal. And the kingdom of God is an all-consuming fire again that will not stop until our entire world is redeemed. So look at that next point. So the kingdom of God is spiritual. 
When a person is born again, they are given access into God's realm of the spirit world, literally his kingdom. When a person is born again, they are given access into God's realm of the spirit world. It is called the kingdom of God. So let, let, me, just, let me just give you a thought this morning. Sin opens the door to the demonic realm. Salvation opens the door to the heavenly realm. Sin opens the door to the demonic realm, and salvation opens the door to the heavenly realm. And again, it's not difficult to look at our world today and recognize that our world, according to Scripture, lies under the sway of the evil one. Why? Because where there is sin and rebellion, there is deception and manipulation, there is destruction and chaos, there is confusion and pain, there is wars and rumors of wars, there is abuse, there is trauma, there is rape, there is murder, there is violence, there is drunkenness, there is perversion, there is sexual immorality, and everything that you can think of that even compares or looks like sin or evil is under the rule of sin and Satan and everything that is good and godly and whole and life-giving and redeeming and redemptive and powerful and peaceful and glorious and uniting is the kingdom of God and so sin opens the door to the demonic realm but salvation opens the door to that heavenly realm where we can enter in to the kingdom of God look at John chapter 3 we know this scripture it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, this is interesting because Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee, which meant he was a scholar of the Old Testament law. He was a good man. He was a moral man. He loved God, and he loved the law of God. According to, to tradition, in order to be a Pharisee, he literally had to be able, he had to memorize and be able to quote on point the first five books of the Bible. You think memorizing one verse is hard. <laughs> they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible and be able to quote those back as point and reference according to their pharisaical training. And here's a guy by the name of Nicodemus, a religious man, a righteous man by the standards of the law, a moral man, a good man who loved God. But look what the Bible says in the next verse. It says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This is interesting because here's what happened. Nicodemus, this righteous, good, godly, moral man who loved God and loved the law of God, recognized something about Jesus. He recognized there was a difference between his life of religious ritual and Jesus' life of power and glory. He recognized, hey, nobody can do what you're doing, Jesus. See, every time Nicodemus or a Pharisee entered the room, everybody cringed. You know why they cringed? Because the Pharisees were well known for pointing out every fault and every failure, every mistake, every shortcoming, and every area of your life where you are not measuring up to the standard of God. And when the Pharisees entered the room, people cringed because they're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong today? But when Jesus entered the room, everybody rejoiced because he brought healing, he brought deliverance, he brought freedom, he brought salvation, he brought redemption. 
And all of a sudden, the people that groaned at the presence of the Pharisees rejoiced at the presence of Jesus because his life changed their lives. It was no longer about the oppression of rules and regulation. It was about the liberty of the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God that would set them free. And everywhere Jesus went, the sick were healed and the dead were raised. And everywhere Jesus went, the blinded eyes were opened and the lame people began to walk. And everywhere Jesus went, those that were oppressed and tormented by demonic spirits were set free and made whole. And Nicodemus looked at Jesus' life. He looked at his life and he said, there's a difference here. And my prayer is that we would do the same. My prayer is that we would not be content to be religious people. That we not be content just going to church. That we not be content just reading our Bibles. That we not be content just praying prayers and going through the motions of religion. That we not be content just being moral people. But that we would be the kind of righteous people like Jesus Christ that turned the world upside down for the glory of God. The kind of people that cause lost people to rejoice and demons to squeal and scream when we walked in the room. The kind of people that enter in an environment and change the environment because there's something greater living on the inside of them. The kind of people that signs and wonders and miracles actually follow our life. I hope that we would examine ourselves, examine our church, examine our families, and say, you know what, I don't want to just be a good family. I don't want to just be a moral family. I don't want to just be a church family. I want to be the kind of people that exemplify who Jesus Christ is. I want signs and wonders and miracles, salvation and transformation and deliverance to follow me all the days of my life. And Nicodemus recognized that. And I hope we recognize that. And I hope we refuse to settle for being good people. I want to be godly, not good. I want to be fruitful, not busy. I want to be righteous, not religious. And I want to be powerful, not just pious in how I carry myself. I want to be that person. I want to be like Jesus. How about you? So here's the good news. The good news of the gospel. Look at verse 3. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I say this a lot. Salvation is not an intellectual decision. Salvation is a spiritual decision that transforms your life and takes you out of darkness into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And that, that's good for us to know. Let me, let me just tell you why this is important. It's important because your enemy is not your enemy. How many of you recognize that the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places? We are in a spiritual, supernatural battle over the souls of men. That's what we're fighting for, by the way. We're fighting for the souls of men. We're fighting for the redemption of humanity. We're fighting for my family, your family, my neighbors, your neighbors, and the neighbors of the world to come to Christ and come out of darkness into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said this. He said, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. And that's important. Let me tell you why it's important. Because it helps us to distinguish between the people that we think are our enemies and the devil that really is our enemy. 
Let me tell you how. Think about our culture today. We live in a crazy culture, right? We live in a culture of deception where people do not see the truth. Have you noticed that? And this is, this is a reality. I want you to hear this. This is a reality. Most of us in this room as born-again Christians look at the world and we think, how do they even think the way they think? How, how, do they, how do they think the way they think? How do they look at a boy and say, I'm not sure he's a boy? And how do they look at a girl and say, I'm not sure she's a girl? And whatever they identify with is what they want to become. How do they do that? How in the world can they look at that, at gender, and be confused over gender? How are they so confused over sexuality and, ID, I, and, and, and identities in, as being male and female, as being homosexual or heterosexual? How is there such confusion over all of those things? How does the world look at a pregnant woman and say that baby in her wound is just a mass that needs to be destroyed at choice? Instead of recognizing it's an eternal soul creating the image and likeness of God. Let me tell you how they do it. They do not see the truth. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And when they, when they resist and when they fight and when they attack Christians and Christianity. Let me, let me make a very crazy bold statement. They are doing it out of a sincere heart. They really believe that a boy is not a boy and a girl is not a girl. They really believe that your sexual preference is determined by the lust of your flesh instead of by the design of God. They really believe it's just a mass and just a choice instead of an eternal soul. They really believe it. You know why they really believe it? Because they're deceived. And what you will find out is as people come out of that darkness and get born again, all of a sudden they begin to, their testimonies are, is I didn't even realize what I was doing was that wrong. I didn't even realize that we were killing babies. I didn't even realize that we were encouraging things that were contradictory to God and His Word. You know why? Because unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. And that's, that's encouraging to us. Let me tell you why. Because all of a sudden that helps us to recognize that our enemy is the enemy and they're not our enemy. They are deceived. And even more than they are in rebellion, they are in deception. See, rebellion happens when he that knows to do good and does it not. That's rebellion. But what if you don't know how to do good? I'll never forget a young man coming to me during one of our encounters and we do a teaching on sexual purity and we talk about pornography and this young man was 20 years old and he came up to me in bitter, sincere tears and he said, Pastor Keith, my dad introduced me to pornography when I was 10 years old and I did not know it was wrong. And he wasn't lying. He was deceived. The most influential man in his life told him this is right. The culture said, if it feels good, do it. And here was a young man at 20 years old that was being destroyed by something that he knew was destroying his life, but in his mind he really did not know it was wrong. Because when you're deceived, you're deceived, and you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. <laughs> 
And so all of a sudden we recognize that Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom. You can't see the truth of God. You can't see the revelation of God. You can't see those things. That's why the Bible says no man can come to Christ unless the Father, Jesus said, who sent me, draw them. That's why there has to be conviction of sin. See, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of sin. All of a sudden, do you remember when you got saved? All of a sudden, you started feeling a conviction over something you'd been doing for a long time. And last week, you felt good about it, and this week, you don't. And last week, you thought everything was okay, and this week, you realized, man, maybe that ain't okay. Last week, you weren't even concerned if there was a God. And this week, you're thinking about maybe there is a God. You know why? That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And only through that conviction of the Holy Spirit does a lost person who can't see the kingdom begin to get a revelation of the kingdom because of the love of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's a powerful thing. I'm so glad for that. How about you? (laughs) I'm glad that what I used to think was right, I realize ain't right anymore. What I used to celebrate, I don't celebrate anymore. What I used to embrace, I don't embrace anymore. Why? Not because all of a sudden I became moral, but all of a sudden I began to see something I'd never seen before. It's more than a morality. It is a spirituality because now I've entered the kingdom. And all of a sudden, because I've been born again, By accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm seeing the kingdom and I'm seeing things I've never seen before. Then Jesus goes on. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's natural, and the spirit, that's spiritual, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit of spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. You can't see the kingdom and you can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. But guess what happens when you get born again? When you get born again, you now have access to the kingdom of God. You can see what you can never see and you can enter into the very presence of God and access his kingdom. We got any Marvel fans in here today? We got any, is it Dr. Strange? That's Marvel, right? Making sure. Well, let me give you a little Dr. Strange quote. Not verbatim, but maybe you guys will get this for all you Dr. Strange people. A portal has been opened into another dimension. That's what happens when you get born again. When Dr. Strange and them go, And that big hole opens up, and there's a whole other world on the other side. You know what that is? That's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did when he died and rose again. And when you get born again, there's a portal into another world. And you get to enter into a dimension called the kingdom of God that reigns and rules over everything in the earth. And what you're going to recognize is you're going to recognize that it is in the kingdom that we have power. It is in the kingdom that we have authority. It is in the kingdom that we have access to everything that we need in order to change our world for the glory of God. Your greatest realm of influence is spiritual, not carnal. That's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
Because if you fight in the flesh, you will lose. See, that's why even the Bible says this. Think, think about this. In, in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible talks about wives that are married to unbelieving husbands. And it makes a crazy statement. It says that you can win your unbelieving spouse through a quiet and a gentle spirit. Now, let me just be honest. All you ladies, y'all just be honest with me. How many of you know that when you've got an honorary, stubborn husband, quiet and gentle is the opposite of what you normally are? <laughs> Come on, ladies. I've been married 33 years. When your husband's being a bonehead, quiet and gentle is the opposite of what you normally are. Loud, bold, nagging, complaining, criticizing, confronting, yelling, screaming, throwing. <laughs> we get real in here today. Why in the world, why in the world would Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tell women that's how you win an unbelieving spouse? Because he understood something. He understood that your greatest realm of influence is in the spirit realm, not in the natural realm. And if you fight flesh with flesh, you're going to get more flesh. Jesus said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Put your sword up, Peter. Stop cutting off people's ears. And let's begin to war in the spirit. Recognize there is a spiritual kingdom called the kingdom of God. And if you're born again, you have access into that kingdom. And it's in that spiritual realm, that heavenly realm, that you have dominion and authority and power to bring a shift over what's happening in the natural. Because the more you nag, the more you complain, the more you argue, the more you fight, male or female, doesn't matter which side you're on of the equation, the worse it normally gets. And if you do suppress your spouse for a season, it's only for a season. See, many marriages are in about a three-month cycle. We're good for three months, we're bad for three months. We're good for three months, we're bad for three months. We're good for a month, we're bad for a month. We're good for a week, we're bad for a week. We're good for a day, we're bad for a day. Why? Because we fight in the flesh. And one of you finally wears the other one down. And they tap out. till they realize they don't want to tap out anymore. And then they start fighting again. And then you start arguing again. The same is true in marriage. Same is true with our children. Same is true on our jobs. Same is true with every relationship that you have. Same is true with our relationship with the world. If you fight in the flesh, you will lose in the flesh. Flesh creates more flesh. Spirit trumps flesh. Spirit overrides flesh. Spirit changes flesh. Think about it in your own life. Kill and I learned a long time ago, and we're still learning, but we don't argue as much as we used to. We now pray each other into submission. <laughs> we learned that with our kids. When they got teenagers, oh, we still whoop their tails, and we still ground them. We still did all that stuff. But we learned that our greatest weapon was not physical pain. Our greatest weapon is that the Holy Spirit would speak truth to them. 
Because they were born again. And we began to pray for their eyes to be opened. We began to pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We began to pray for revelation to come. And all of a sudden, they would repent, not as a result of our physical discipline, even though we gave it, because we're supposed to as parents, by the way. But they would repent change the way they thought, turn to God, and begin to live the life we knew God had called them to live, not the life we wanted them to live, the life God had called them to live. And that would all happen because something happened in the spirit, not in the flesh. Now, again, we did all we could do in the flesh. So if you're a parent, do all you can do in the flesh. But understand, your greatest weapon of warfare for any relationship is not carnal pressure. It is spiritual transformation that happens in the spirit realm. And if you're born again, you have access into the realm of the spirit. And that's where the battles are won. And that's where the battles are lost. You see that oppression. Think about this real quick. We're going to move on. You see that oppression in our world. We, we, we are blessed. Let me tell you how blessed we are in America. We're so blessed that governmental corruption, which there's a lot of it, has to, in many ways, mask and hide itself from the open forum. How many know that many politicians and government leaders are expert liars? <laughs> and, and let me challenge you in this. Let me, let me challenge you in something. If we're not careful, many churches have become political instead of spiritual. Many churches have become political instead of spiritual. We want to fight in the flesh. Now, again, just like with your children, I'm not saying we don't be involved in politics. I think we need to be greatly involved in politics. I think we need as many godly Christian men and women in places of authority and leadership as we can ever get. And we need to be fighting for those individuals to be established in places of authority so they can make decisions out of a heart that sees and knows the kingdom of God. But I also know we'll not win the war for this nation by fighting a political battle. We'll win the war for this nation by fighting a spiritual battle. That's where we win. That's where our dominion is. And so in America, you think about all the corruption, all the chaos. We complain about America all the time. But then you go to another country. You go to a Muslim country, and you know what you find out? The oppression and corruption is not hidden behind locked doors. They do it openly. Boldly, confidently, and on TV, we'll just cut your head off because we didn't like you. Think about that. Think about how corruption in America has to be hidden behind lies and deception and manipulation. But when you go to other countries ruled by Muslim nations, ruled by anti-Christ communist nations, and they're not hiding behind locked doors. They're not hiding behind lies and deception and manipulation. Why? Because they're living under a principality and power of darkness, and they are living out loud the expression of that wickedness and that sin. And we complain about America, but America is still the greatest nation on the planet because it is a light for Christ, and the light of Christ is what drives back that darkness and causes the corruption in our nation at least to have to be manipulated and hid behind lies instead of boldly coming out. And we're seeing more boldly coming out, are we not? We're seeing more boldly coming out, more boldly coming out. I'm just telling you, the church can't draw back. we got to press in we got to drive back the darkness as we shine the light of Christ. That was all point one. Praise Jesus. 
Look at point two, and we're going to stop here today. <laughs> in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, we have access to the presence of God. We have access to the heavenly realm. We have access to that new covenant between God and his people that we celebrated this morning through communion. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You know what we have? We have unhindered access to the very presence of God. There's a great story in the Old Testament. It's the story of Esther. You guys remember Esther? If you don't remember Esther, you ought to go read the story about Esther. And Esther was the queen. And there was a plan to destroy the Jewish people. And Emory, yeah, you can hold up just a minute. I'm going to be a few more minutes. I'm ending, but not yet. I'll give you this. You're good? Thank you. I'm like, you're going to sit up here a long time, so maybe not. Not that we don't enjoy listening to you play, but anyway. Let us come boldly before the throne. So Esther, there was a plot to kill the Jews. Esther was the queen. Mordecai comes to her and says, you need to go before the king and you need to make a request to spare the nation. And Esther says this. She says, I haven't been invited into the presence of the king in a long time. And according to the law, if I go into the king's presence uninvited, they can have me killed. If he doesn't extend his scepter, I'll die. And he said, well, maybe you were born for such a time as this. How many know some things are worth risking your life for? Some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth being uncomfortable for. Some things are worth pushing the envelope for. Some things are worth being, being mocked and ridiculed and made fun of for. We're fighting for the kingdom. Amen? We're fighting for the souls of men. And so Esther went. And the Bible says when she stepped into the throne room where the king was on his throne, he extended her scepter to her. And she was able to approach the king. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death and resurrection, we have an extended scepter. Jesus has extended his scepter to us so we can boldly come before the throne of grace. We can boldly enter the presence of God. We can enter into his presence and through prayer and intercession, we can come before him and we can ask God for anything and we can petition the throne and we can come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and boldly find everything that we need. In our times of need. And one of the greatest, I think, challenges we have as Christians is we have this amazing access and we don't utilize it. We spend more time laboring in the flesh than we do interceding in the Spirit, even though we got access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an what a amazing opportunity God's given us. And we need to make sure that we are entering in through prayer and intercession to the very presence of God. Coming boldly before the throne. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's listen to this scripture. The writer of Hebrews is comparing the Old Testament Mount Sinai to the New Testament Mount Zion that we have in Christ. Look what he says. He says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and a whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God, listen to this statement, they begged God to stop speaking. In the Old Testament, if you remember the story, God comes down on the mountain. He's calling the nation of Israel unto himself. 
And, and let me tell you something. This is, this is huge. God intended the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. That's what we are in Christ. He intended the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. But because of fear, they became a kingdom with a priest. Instead of being a kingdom of priests, they were a kingdom with a priest. And when they saw the presence of God and the power of God and the glory of God, it was this overwhelming thunder and light and smoke and fire and this loud voice trembling from the mountain. And the Bible says they stepped back and they said, God, don't talk to us anymore. You can talk to Moses and Moses can talk to us, but we don't want to hear it's too much. It's too much. And they backed away. They, they withdrew from the presence of God. Because of the weakness of their flesh, they couldn't stand in the presence of God. So Jesus did what the law couldn't do. He redeemed us. He restored us. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to live within us so that we could enter into a spiritual kingdom where we could come boldly into the presence of God. And we could say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens he goes on look what he says verse 21 even Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said I'm terrified and trembling but look at verse 22 he says but no that's not the mountain you've come to you've come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering man look at the contrast there a fearful mountain or a joyful gathering in the Old Testament, it was the awe and thunder of God's presence that invoked fear. In the New Testament, we enter into the heavenly Jerusalem, into an assembly of the angels, into a joyful gathering. That's why the Bible says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and enter his gates with praise. Because that's the atmosphere around the throne of God. The atmosphere around God's throne is worship. The atmosphere around God's throne is praise. The atmosphere around God's throne is joy. That's why the Bible says, in the presence of God, there is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand is pleasure forevermore. And that's what we've been invited into. And let me just encourage you in this. I, I talk with a lot of pastors across the nation, and I'm, I talk to a lot of pastors that are discouraged, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed out, they're frustrated, they're mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausted. And I've been there and done that. Let me tell you why. Why does that happen? Because we've been laboring in the flesh instead of entering by the Spirit in the presence of God. We try to accomplish in our efforts what can only be accomplished in the presence of the Lord. When you think about it, we looked at them two weeks ago, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. How I many know oh, that sounds like a good day? Doesn't sound like a bad day. Doesn't sound like a stressed out day. Doesn't sound like a burdenful day. Doesn't sound like I'm overwhelmed day. It doesn't sound like I'm an exhausted day. I mean, you talk to people all the time, how you doing? I'm exhausted. How you doing? I'm wore out. How you doing, man? I'm just struggling. You know what that tells me? It tells me I've spent way too much time laboring in my flesh and way too little time in the presence of the king. Because <laughs> there's joy here. There's peace here. There's refreshing here. 
And let me just encourage you, stop laboring so hard in the flesh. Again, I'm not saying we relinquish our responsibilities. We do what we have to do. But we understand our greatest realm of influence is not the labor of my flesh. It is in the presence of God. It's the spirit realm. It's in the spirit that we win. It's in the spirit that we're refreshed. It's in the spirit that we're rejuvenated. That's like, listen to this. When you come home exhausted and frustrated and mentally spent, I'm like anybody. I love to veg out in front of some, 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 some Netflix and just think about nothing. And that's, that's okay. But you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't refresh you. It might distract you. It might let you physically just do nothing for a little while. But you don't get off, you don't get off the couch after three hours of binge watching Netflix and you're not ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Most of the time you get off the couch after three hours of net, binge and Netflix and you drag yourself to the bed and hope I sure do get a night of peace because my mind is killing me. You know why? Because there's no refreshment there. It's entertainment and it's okay in itself, but that's not where we're refreshed. That's not where we're rejuvenated. That's not where we find joy. That's not where we get power. That's not where we get built up. That's not where we get rekindled. That's not where we stir up the gift of God that's within us. Again, nothing wrong with Netflix and all that stuff in their place. But when that becomes where I go for peace, and that becomes where I go to refresh, and that becomes where I go to relax. And again, there's entertainment. I'm not talking any of that stuff's bad. I'm just saying when you put it in the place of God, And you begin to look to those things instead of looking to God. You're going to find yourself continually depleted. It's not going to fill you up. It's not going to empower you. Man, I get out of the presence of God. I'm ready to charge hell. How about you? I get out of the presence of God. I want to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. I get out of the presence of God. I want to run back into my marriage. I want to re-engage with my children. I want to reconnect to the call of God on my life. I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to get out of bed. I'm ready to do something for the glory of God because I've been refreshed in the presence. The kingdom of God is spiritual. And you will never find spiritual refreshment in the carnal things of the world. You can't feed your flesh and expect to get stronger spiritually. And I'm going to go home today and watch some Netflix this evening. So please hear what I'm talking about. Y'all still good? Let's read on just another minute. Emory, why don't you go ahead and come, sweetie? Thank you. Look what it says. You've come into countless thousands of angels into a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. I I was talking with a couple last year, and we're talking about the importance of prayer. and And the lady, she made this statement. She said, Pastor Keith, she said, I pray about everything. I said, that's awesome. I said, why do you pray about everything? She said, well, I figure if God knows everything, then I should pray about everything because God already knows what I need to do. It makes sense to pray about everything because God knows everything. And if God knows everything, I ought to pray about everything because He can tell me what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And I can walk in confidence and boldness 
because I'm not operating out of the intelligence of my flesh. I'm operating out of the revelation of the Spirit as I've went before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the God of all the earth, the judge over all things. And He knows and sees everything. Look what else it says. It says, You have come into the spirits of righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. We've come into this amazing assembly, this heavenly realm, where the angels of God, where the presence of God, where the assembly of the saints, those who have gone on before us. Paul, Hebrews 12 says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All the heroes of the faith are there. And we get to enter into that place in God's presence. And then it says, verse 24, and you have come to Jesus. The one who mediates or intercedes the new covenant between God and his people to the sprinkled blood which speaks forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. King James says it speaks better things. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel's. Abel's blood cried out for vengeance. Jesus' blood cries out for mercy and grace. And we get to come into the presence of God. We get to come in that very throne room of heaven where Jesus is seating there at the right hand of God the Father interceding for me and you where the blood of that new covenant has been poured out. And we get to enter into that blood. I, I, I was thinking about this. I was praying over this this last week. And I, I thought about what's awesome. You know, when you think about going before a judge, God who is the judge of all the earth. I've had the opportunity of going to court a few times, and it, it's never always a fun thing. Anybody ever been to court? If you ever stood before a judge, you know it's kind of intimidating. And typically when you go in the natural before a judge, you've got to make a plea, Right? You got to plead guilty or you got to plead innocent. The Lord just said this to me. He said, Keith, the new covenant liberates you from both those pleas. The truth is, I am guilty. And the truth is, maybe there may be some areas that I'm innocent, but I'm guilty and innocent all at the same time. He said, So, Keith, when you get to come before my presence, he said, You don't have to plead guilty, you don't have to plead innocent. You just get to plead the blood. So, God, I just come before you today, and I just plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. Are you guilty? Are you innocent? See, the devil's accusing you. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing you. He's calling out your, your sin and your shortcomings. He's calling out your failure and your mistakes, and he's accusing you. He's declaring you guilty. And you know what? You don't even have to defend yourself because Jesus already has. And you step into the very presence of God, and you say, Lord, I just plead the blood I plead the blood I'm not standing on my merit I'm not trying to plead my innocence you know I, I think pride sometimes slips in and I think we, we every now and then I hear, I hear somebody say well I just want to get what I deserve and I think Lord help us Jesus please and we say that because we feel like we've worked hard and we've sacrificed and we've done all the right things. But how many of you know in the midst of you doing all the right things, you weren't always right? <laughs> and I don't want to stand before God and try to enter before him in my innocence or my guilt. I want to come now in the blood of Jesus. And there, his blood speaks better things. And here's the good news. Over your family, over your friends, over your city, over our nation, we can just plead the blood. And his blood speaks better things. His blood speaks better things. Stop cursing and start pleading. 
the blood. One last scripture. We're going to close in prayer. John chapter 10, what a great verse. John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Somebody say, praise the Lord. (laughs) If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And look what he says. And he will go in and and find pasture. That's significant. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He said, I'm the door. The only way you can enter the presence of the Father, the only way you can enter that kingdom, the only way you can enter that heavenly realm is you got to come through me, Jesus said. I'm the door. But this is what he says. He says, I'm the door, and through me you enter in and you go out. Let, let me tell you what, what prayer and intercession is. Let me tell you what being still. Psalms 8610, be still and know that I'm God. Let me tell you what all that's about. It's simply about entering into the presence of the Lord. Anytime you, you, you just get still before you begin to acknowledge God, you know what happens? You enter that presence. You enter that holy place. God, I just want to honor you. I just want to worship you. I just want to praise you. I want to be still in your presence. Every, every time that happens, you step into that throne room. And you know what happens when you enter into the kingdom? Everything that you need is available to you. And we go in. And then here's the good news. And then we go out into a world lost in darkness. And we bring heaven to earth. All of a sudden, we begin to minister. Not out of the labor of our flesh, but out of the revelation of the Spirit. And we begin to say what the Father says. And we begin to do what the Father does. And we begin to minister as He ministers. And all of a sudden, things begin to change. Things begin to change. Because we enter in and we get full. And we go out and we get empty. We enter in and we get full. And we go out and we empty. And this is not just for me. This is for a world that's lost in darkness. It's crazy. You guys know this is true. When you get in the presence of the Lord, God will say things to you. God will show you things. God will speak things. God will bring people to your mind you hadn't thought about in years. And he'll give you a word of intercession to begin to pray over them. And you're like, God, I hadn't seen them in years. And you start praying for them. And then next week you run into them at Walmart. And then God opens another door and you're going to say, man, you know what? I've been praying for you for the last week. Hadn't even thought about you in a long time. But I want you to know I've been praying for you. God works. God moves. Why? Because we go in and we go out. That's the kingdom. And it's spiritual. And it's powerful. And it's where the victory is won. And your greatest realm of influence is right here. Because when you get filled up right here, you can be emptied out out here. And all of a sudden, things begin to change in the spirit. So I want our prayer teams to come. I want us just to stand to our feet right now. Thank you all for your patience today. I want our prayer teams to come. I want to open the altar this morning. And maybe you just want to come. Maybe you want somebody to agree with you this morning. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. Maybe there's some things going on in your life. Maybe you've been laboring in the flesh, and today you just want to enter into the Spirit. Prayer, worship, intercession, being still, all those things are ways we just enter into the presence of God.
And so maybe you just want to come this morning. You want to stop laboring. You want to stop fighting. I, I mean, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And it's exhausting. But there's refreshment in the Lord today. Maybe you just need that refreshment. The altar's open right now. If you need prayer for any reason, you come. And we'd love to pray with you. As the altar's open, I want us just to bow our heads for just a moment. Everybody out there, you could come. Anytime you come for prayer. But I want to just talk to all of us for just a second. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those watching online, maybe you're here today. And you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never been born again. Maybe I'm a moral person. Maybe I'm a good person. Maybe I love God. And I try to follow His rules, but I've never been born again. It's always been about external restraint, and there's never been a spiritual transformation in my heart. And I want to experience what you've talked about today. I want to be born again. I want to see and know God. And I don't want to come before Him based on my merit. I want to come before Him based on the blood of Jesus. And today I just want to plead His blood over my life. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Just, just slip your hand up all over this building. Just a simple act of faith. Today I want to be born again. If you're online, you can hit that hand emoji. You could type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand, but this is your moment. I want to pray a prayer with you just right now. We're just going to plead the blood of Jesus over your life. We're going to receive that gift of God because that's what it is. We don't earn it. We don't work for it by faith. We simply receive it. So let's pray this prayer together. The altar's open. If you need prayer, you come. But if you're still standing right now, let's just pray this prayer out loud together. If you raised your hand, this prayer is for you. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I've sinned and I repent of my sins and I turn to you. I believe and I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. We're going to let these continue to pray in the altar this morning. We love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. We're glad to have you, and uh, we want to help you take those next steps. God bless you today. Again, have a great day in the Lord.